Aiden Wilson Tozer once said, the most critical need of the church at this moment is men, bold men, free men. The church must seek in prayer and much humility the coming again of men made of the stuff of which prophets and martyrs are made. This is the Redeemed Legion Podcast. On this podcast, we dive deep into the intersection of faith, masculinity, and modern day life, exploring biblical principles and how they apply to the changes men face today. And we're not just here to talk at you. We want it to feel like a real conversation among friends. Here to encourage and equip men to live out their faith in a world that often presents conflicting ideas of manhood. Welcome to the Redeemed Legion podcast. And now your hosts, Drew, Brendan, and Pete. Welcome, everybody, to the Redeemed Legion podcast. This is episode seven. And uh, we are very excited to have everybody with us tonight. Uh, Before we get going, real quick, just a couple things. Um, Guys, our social media has been blowing up recently. Um, We've had a lot of new people watching us on social media, and we really appreciate that. A lot of interaction. And um, just encourage everybody that's listening to this to uh, check us out. Um, TikTok and YouTube are our uh, biggest platforms. We're doing some stuff on Facebook too. So check us out at Redeemed Legion on those platforms. Uh, also, if you guys want to check out redeemedlegion.com, uh, we've got a lot going on there. Uh, we've got some merchandise on there, uh, some blog stuff, lots of announcements about live meetings that are happening here in Central Texas. Um, so check us out there and we appreciate y'all watching. Uh, we are very excited tonight. We have a special guest on tonight's episode uh we have david with us and uh we're going to get into david's story so david welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here thanks thanks for the invitation absolutely so um why don't you tell us tell us a little bit about yourself where uh where'd you grow up well i was born in uh chickasha oklahoma but i grew up in texas (laughs) and when i say grew up i mean I grew up, so we left Chickasha, Oklahoma when I was 13 and uh, moved to the Texas Panhandle and it was, a, it was a whole different life than it was here in Chickasha, so. Okay. Uh, Did you, uh, brothers, sisters? I am uh, 10, number 10 of 10 kids. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Good for your parents. That's <laughs> yeah. a- how was that uh how was that growing up in a family that big um let's see all of you played football right yes sir at some point so you know what the you know what the tackling dummy is (laughs) yes sir that's what it was like like. (laughs) uh that's fantastic um are you uh were you raised in a christian home as a child uh-oh it was i got a phone call that knocked me off of uh zoom here okay i'm back there you go you're back yes raised in a raised in a christian home um (laughs) 
there's there's a there's a lot to that answer. So raised in a Christian That's... home, um, but man, I didn't know I didn't know um, how real God was until I was fifty years old, right? Okay. So when what, he reveals um... he reveals himself. Yeah, agreed. Can you can you expound on that a little bit? What did what did uh, church life or or church education, you know, Bible education? What did that look like growing up? Um, just you know, going to church every Sunday, every time the door was open, we go to church, and and uh, I guess I was saved at fifteen years old but didn't really know a lot about what that man, it didn't change my life any um, later. We're going to just get right into the meat of it. So later after being baptized at 15 years old, I got a girl pregnant. And uh, so that, that was a defining moment in my life. It, it changed my life, but um, you know, being grown up in the church and not wanting to disappoint my parents or the church, I didn't tell anybody. Right. So uh, it's one of the things we just, we did, we had an abortion and uh, you know, let me, let me back up a little bit. One of the, one of the things that you guys said earlier on, on some of your previous podcast is um, teaching men to be men. And if I start crying, just know that that's, we're good That's with a plan yeah. to do too. That's all right. Because <laughs> it happens. Anyway, so I'm uh, not wanting to disappoint the, the church or my family or or uh, get in trouble. You know, we didn't tell anybody. And so this is something I just kept in inside for uh, 40 years. And uh, when when God starts calling you to to make amends to correct something that you've done it's hard to deny it you know when he starts talking to you you know it. And somebody somebody asked me one time well how do you know when god's talking to you because he doesn't stop he just he don't stop it's uh he's gonna get your attention and he did yeah so um it was about Oh, less than 10 years ago, probably, I, I confessed at a family reunion what I had done at 15 years old. And, and as, soon as, I, as soon as I let it out, God started working and, and putting things in motion uh, for me to, to help other people to um, make it through the same kind of situation. So... Um, it's, it's led us to my wife and I to um, two different ministries that we run. So, so if we can, if we can um, just go back there and, you know, completely up to you, what you want to share. Right. Um, but, you know, we talk to a lot of guys and we, we, we have a kind of a wide ranging audience age wise, but certainly there's some guys that are younger um, that listen to this stuff. And, and I think your story is really powerful. So if you can just kind of expound on um, what, you know, 
what happened happened when you were 15 and then and then you know you had a lot of formative years after that um how did that affect you going forward you know you were 15 i mean a 15 year old kid's still got a lot of years left to kind of develop into the person he's going to be uh so how did those how, how did those events affect that for you well i think um never really thought about that other than than uh it taught me to hide things right if i can hide that i can hide anything i probably got to be a pretty good uh pretty good liar out of that i don't know um but just i think that was the main thing is just learning that you can hide things from people um you can hide things from god or you think you can yeah so um so all that happens and you know it it uh you learn to you learn to hide things and you've got this You've got this uh, history now as you're growing older. Um, what happened after, what'd you do after high school? Um, right out of high school, I went to work in the, in the wool field and uh, really, really had uh, good jobs, just one after another, after another. Worked for basically for seven different companies for almost 40 years that ended up being, you know, just one rolls into another, into another. And, and, uh, I think the last 14 years was with British petroleum, very well paid. Um, just, it was a great career. Uh, but it was, it was making money, um, trying to raise your kids, be somebody in the town. Um, even even to the point of trying to be somebody in the church. And I think probably one of the biggest defining moments in my life was uh, mid-30s, mid to late 30s. And I've got three kids and and my my middle son or my middle kid was a son. And he uh, we went to church one day and I'm doing the church thing and I don't remember. I don't remember what the sermon was about or anything like that. But um, after church was over, um, you know, you know how it is when you get the kids ready for church and nobody's getting ready, so you yell at them and maybe a few cuss words, whatever. Oh, you know, yeah. I got the thing I got to do at church, and so I got to be there on time. And and so we did all that. And after church, we get in the car, and son's in the back seat, and he looks in the mirror at me and. I look at him and he said, Dad, you're a hypocrite. Wow. Yeah. So that was that was a reality check for me. And so uh, you you would think if you were gonna correct something, you would correct it right then. But I didn't I basically didn't go back to church for 10 years or so after that. Like it's like I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to not be a hypocrite. That's that's I don't know. It's just it was in me, right? Um, so ran from God for a while and and uh, chased money and uh, thought I was somebody and and uh, ended up losing my family over it. Um, got a divorce and um, God was very gracious to me though. He uh, he 
allowed me another chance and I've got a, a beautiful wife and eight grandkids and four kids and eight grandkids. Can't forget the kids, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, God is good. Amen. So um, when you, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you got divorced and then you said you had about 10 years where you were kind of running from God. Um, what changed that? Um, I, well, like I said earlier, when God starts talking to you, it's hard to, it's hard to avoid him. And he got my attention. Um, we, Julie and I talked and, uh, that's my wife, Julie. We talked and we decided it was time to get it out, you know, get the skeletons out of the closet. And, and so we did and, and God started lining things up, um, uh, putting people in our lives that, um, that we needed. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to explain what, how he got my attention, but he did. And then we start realizing, we start looking back, you know, it's hindsight's uh, it's easier to see stuff in hindsight than it is looking forward. And we start realizing, or I started realizing that, that uh, God was with me through everything. And, and he started revealing himself to me that he had been with me through everything. And, um, one of the, I guess one of the first things was when, uh, when I met Julie, it's, it's a pretty cool story. I've told it to, to Drew before. And by the way, everybody that's watching Drew's my son-in-law. So hey, he I, owned didn't me. Know, I didn't know <laughs> if I was going to say it, but I did. It, it came out. We got him in a weak moment. <laughs> we yeah, got yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I met my wife after, after being divorced and first time I had, um, went to see my kids and, and, uh, we go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we climb the mountain, the San Bernardino mountain, or I think that's what it is. And Julie and her family's on the other side of the mountain and they come up the one side of the mountain, we come up the other, but we never meet and we go back down and, so, you know, people often ask, well, if you didn't meet, then how did you meet, right? So that night, for whatever reason, I said, you know, I, I'm just kind of homesick. I want to go back home. And home was in Houston, and nobody wants to go back home to Houston, but I did. <laughs> so I changed my flight, and uh, she changed her flight the same night. We both ended up on the same flight, which is three flights out of Albuquerque to Houston, which Albuquerque to Austin, I think it was, and then to Dallas and then something like that, you know, three flights. And so we had a lot of time to sit by each other. So the last seat on the plane and I got to sit by her. So that's how we met. No way. And, and, and that was, that was looking back, that was kind of an eye opener. It's like, we didn't, we didn't have to meet that night. We shouldn't have met that night. Right. But God orchestrated it to where we did. And, and, uh, We've been together ever since. So that's an amazing of... story. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how people think that things happen by chance. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's 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 amazing. Um, I, I think a point to uh, well, just something I want to ask you because we we talk to a lot of guys that um, you know, go through periods like you went through, uh, where they're kind of struggling. Maybe they walk away from their faith, things like that. Would you say during that time, um, during that kind of ten year stretch? Would you say that you were, I know you said you were running from God, but was there ever a time when you were seeking God out of that? Or or do you think that he really just brought you back in? He just pulled you in. Does that make I think sense? It, yeah, I think it was him seeking more of me than, than, than I was seeking him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, was, I, he was pursuing me. Yeah. And I, I think that's an important point to to make here. Uh, Cause like I said, we talked to a lot of guys that are just feeling lost or they're, you know, have kind of walked away and things like that. And the, and the point I'm getting at is to make is that you're a living testimony to God's seeking us out, God drawing us in, you know, it really is his power that, and his love that draws us to him. Right. It's not necessarily the other way around. And I, I think that's just an important point for guys to hear. Yeah. I, I really didn't want to be found by him. I think. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask um, in, in line with this same topic, you know, 10, 10 years away, at some point you came back to church for the first time. Um, do you remember that time? Like the first time that you came back to church? Um, not really, but I remember the, because, you know, didn't, it took a while to find a church family, but I remember the first time that I actually found a true church family that, uh, I felt loved in and, uh, felt a connection with. I do remember that. Yeah. I, I was, I was curious if we could just talk through a little bit about what, what that was like. Cause you know, I think that a lot of times guys, when they get separated from church, uh, whether they've never gone or they, you know, they've done some things in their life and then they've, they've drawn this line and, and faded away. It feels more and more of like a mountain to, to break through and, and go back for the first time. So I'd, I'd love to hear if you remember any of, of like, uh, sort of your story and moments and decisions and like how that happened. Where just, how did you end up back in the building again? Well, I can't, I can't really remember that because it, like I said, it took a while to find a church home, you know, mm -hmm. one from where, where do I fit? What church do I fit in? And, and what, uh, what do I believe in? And right. I mean, I realized that, that, uh, God was real and he'd called me back, but what, how do I worship him? Yeah. How am I supposed to worship him? And, and it took a while to find that. And I found it at a, at a church home in Oklahoma. And uh, I realized after going there and, and um, them feeding me God's word and feeding on God's word that a lot of the stuff that I grew up was, um, it was a, a form of worship, but denying the power like the Bible says. And uh, <laughs> he's all powerful. And so I, I see that now and didn't see it back then. So David, you had this super successful career. You were 
um, doing the. I don't know about super successful, but it was. Oh, you're successful, super successful guy in my book. So you you had this this career and everything, and um, I mean that's a that's a that's a lifetime career for a lot of people, and now you're not you're out of it. You're not doing it anymore. Will you talk a little bit about kind of what you're doing now, or maybe what you uh, you know, transitioning out of that career and into, um, the things that you're doing now? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a good career. It was, uh, there was a lot of different opportunities and, and, uh, so I did a lot of different things in the oil field and, um, after 40 years of it, um, when God called me to do something different, it was start a ministry for, um, we run a ministry called Go Life and we do free ultrasounds for young pregnant mothers. And, uh, it's just a way to give back and, uh, try to help people through a situation like I wish somebody would have been there to help me and, and, uh, the girls through the situation. Right. So, um, we've done that for about four years now. And, and in that experience of running Go Life, working at Go Life, we've noticed a lot of things about people's situations and um, young pregnant mothers have a lot of things in common, most of them running from God. Um, most of them don't have a man in their life. And so uh, me being a man, I try to speak to the men as, often as I can, even on the sidewalk, talk to them and just try to get their attention and, and tell them my story and let them know that, Hey, I understand what you're going through too. Right. And, and, uh, you need to be there for that woman and, uh, for that girl and for that baby. So we've done that for four years. Um, one of the other things that, and I'm sure we'll get back to that, but one of the other things that we, uh, saw during those four years was uh, inadequate housing. A lot of these girls are poor and need housing. So we've started a new ministry called Earthly Dwellings. And we're going to be building homes for people and building communities of small homes. So teaching people how to, how to live together and take care of one another and, and uh, love one another, right? So those are those are both huge things that I think a lot of people who are in ministry, you know, we they feel like they come under attack quite a bit. Um, you got you have a target on your back. So I imagine um, probably more than I even know that you guys have run into, um, you know, blockades or uh, people trying to derail um, your mission. And I so if you could just kind of talk to the point of, you know, maybe sometimes it got difficult or something and, you know, God made that way for you or, or how y'all have overcome those things that you you've encountered. Well, I think the, uh, um, Julie and the girls that, that work there are, they probably see a lot more than I do. Um, I'm more on the politics side, trying to meet with, lawmakers and understand why laws are like they are and 
what do we need to need to do to change the laws, but at the same time be compassionate to people. And uh, so my experience is a little different than theirs, but I think one of the things that, that uh, we quickly realized when we got into to doing this was to go life was, was we're trying to provide a service and, and show Jesus to these people. And there's a lot of people that say they are, but they come about it the wrong way. And if, it's like, it's like yelling at somebody, mm-hmm. you know, you can't yell at them and tell them you love them and it make any sense to them. Right. So we, we battled that, um, trying to figure out, well, how do we, how do we share this sidewalk with these different groups and be who God's called us to be and not turn into who they are or who they think we should be. So that, that was probably the hardest thing was just trying to navigate the, it's, it's a, it's a very hot topic, right? So trying to navigate the conversations every day has been difficult. What was the what was the jumping off point? Like, how how did this start? How did how did Go Life start? Uh, good question. So, after I told my uh, my family, I got asked to attend a retreat, a healing retreat uh, for women who have been had gone through abortion, and uh, they asked me to go as a man and and share my viewpoint. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll go and really didn't have any plans of going, but, um, at that time I was still in the oil patch and, and I had a, uh, rig running down in South Texas. And so took my wife with me and, and we go out with navigation on the phone and we find the rig down there in the middle of nowhere is cow patch road. And, we find the rig and second day I go back, she's not with me, but I found it fine. Third day I go back and, and I'm driving down this cow patch road and talking to God and just wondering, God, what do you want me to do now? Right. I've, I've, I've told my story and I've got all this guilt and, and what am I going to do about this guilt and how can I make a difference? And, and I remember all of a sudden looking up and I'm thinking, I've missed my turn. I have no idea where I'm at. Um, so I'm looking around and I see this sign on the side of the road up ahead. And, and I remember laughing and talking to God and saying, well, God, maybe this is my sign. And so I pull up to this sign to turn around. And it's a sign that says, pray to end abortion in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the hair stands up and I'm like, all right, you got my attention. You got my attention. So we called uh, we called a number on the sign, and um, we got a hold of a lady in Norman, Oklahoma, and she told us about what pray to end abortion meant, forty days for life campaign, and um, and and I remember the conversation. She just starts crying. She said, "I've been praying for somebody to call me and ask me what this is all about." And she said, you're the first one that ever called and, and you wanted to know what this is about. So we just hit it off. And, and so I felt like, okay, there's something here. I need to go to the abortion clinic and figure out what this is all about, what is happening. Um, 
and try to try to equate it to what I went through, what we went through at 15 and make sense of it. Right. So we did and uh, started going to the sidewalk and just watching people and figure out again, how we fit into this. And I went to the, uh, to the retreat. And after the retreat was over, it was a three day retreat. Never cried so much in my life. Just um, not for me, but for listening to these women tell their story and understanding that, wow, everybody came to this uh, decision to have an abortion for different reasons and different dynamics in their life. And, and it was just powerful. And uh, so after it was over, one of the girls that worked there, she said, I want to I want to go show you a prayer garden. And so I said, OK, we'll go see the prayer garden. And we're, we're looking at this prayer garden and it's across the street from an abortion clinic. And I'm, I'm just thinking well, somebody needs to be out here providing a free ultrasound for these ladies right here. Right. And uh, something catches my eye and I look over to the left and there's this mobile unit and it says go life on it. I'm like, what is that? So it was go life mobile medical. And um, so we went and talked to them and told them what we were thinking. And we were wanting to maybe start a, a business like that. And they said, well, don't, don't waste four or five years of your life trying to get this done, join us. So we did. So we, we uh, started the first branch in Norman, Oklahoma, and um, it just took off from there. And, We've been doing that for four years and that's, uh, that's amazing. Saved hundreds of little babies. <laughs> that's, that's the cool part. Yeah, that is amazing. Can you, um, can you give us uh, just uh, us and the listeners? Um, can you give us just an example of one of these encounters that you've had? You know, you get a, a young pregnant lady, that's you know considering her options and then um she runs into you guys right and and you take off and you do your thing how do what does that look like how does that go it has to be a, a i can only imagine it's an amazingly powerful experience it it is um and there's so many different experiences none of them are the same um those are the great ones where you you uh make a difference and and you know you made a difference and and you get to see that baby down the road a couple years later Um, we've had a few of those where they'll bring them back and we get to see that the majority of them are not that way the majority of them is uh people are determined whether it be a grandmother taking her granddaughter in to get an abortion or um we know we've seen a lot of uh, incest and uh, family molestations and stuff like that where they're bringing them in and, and they are very hostile. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want they don't want God. They don't want a solution that we have to offer. They want to end that pregnancy. So yeah. those are the hard ones. Um, ones that you wish you could have done better. You wish you, you know, you always critique yourself. What, what could I have done? What could I have said to that person or not said to that person? Um, those are the tough ones. The, the good ones are the ones that come in and you, and you know that they're 
abortion determined. But when you hear them in the room there getting the ultrasound and all of a sudden they're laughing and and they're they're happy and they're excited that they're going to be a parent. Those are the good ones. Wish we had yeah. more of those. We're all that way. Yeah, that's that's amazing. What um, how does the I know you said you dealt with the political side of things more, and I assume you're talking to legislators and and different folks like that. What yeah. what is what does that look like? How does how does that process even work? How do you how do you get in the door? Uh, it's pretty easy to get in the door. It's, it's uh, more difficult to get their attention and get back in the door the second time. Hmm. Right. If you're if you're their voter, their constituent, they're going to let you in the door and they'll listen. Um, but I think. Again, we had to I had to differentiate myself from the people who were going to go in their office and yell at them and, and uh, demand things, right? Again, fruits of the spirit, right? You go into an office and you think peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, faithfulness and self-control. Give me all those. And uh, that's, that's difficult at times when you're, when you're talking to lawmakers and legislators and, um, but they're human too. They have, they have hearts. They want to do the right thing. Um, it's not always easy for legislators to do the right thing in my mind. They're doing the right thing in their mind and they don't always coincide. Um, but just, um, it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's just, you got to stay constant with them, building relationships with them and, um show them show them kindness and respect and then eventually they come around yeah what's the uh yeah sorry brendan did you have another another question no go ahead what's the what's the biggest thing you think that you could benefit from on your mission at go live specifically right now like if if there was something anybody that's listening to this that that is inspired by to help or to pray about even like what what does that mission need well prayer you know they always say prayer first um and in this case that's exactly what it is prayer is needed more than anything and i've, I've often said that if if somebody gave us a million dollars or ten million dollars um, that's not what we need. We need awareness more than anything. So um, it's just um, 40, since 1973, abortion was, was uh, deemed legal in 1973. And so you don't just turn culture upside down because of the latest law, right? Roe being overturned doesn't mean it's it's not still first and forefront on people's mind when they get pregnant. It's, well, we got to get rid of it. This is not our time. Um, so it's just it's just going to take a lot of time. Um, and again, that kindness that we got to show to people and understanding of how they got there and help them to to get out of the situation that they're in the right way, not the wrong way. So there's a there's a lot of um, 
you know, you can find facts to support anything you want to support, right? Um, what would what would you point people to uh, to get some real facts about uh, the abortion industry and whether it's the abortion industry or laws affecting it or you know statistics, things like that? Where's a place that people can go to build that awareness? Um, and, and kind of learn what's going on in our country. Well, (laughs) so the church should be the place, right? But again, I go back to, to when I was 15, um, and didn't want to embarrass myself or the church or my family. So you don't go there. So churches need to talk about it. They need to be more open about it. And um, we try to go to a different church every, every Sunday or every other Sunday and, and just get our foot in the door. And I think getting your foot in the door with the churches is harder than it is getting into the legislator's office. Churches wow. really don't talk about it. That's, that's, that's tough and that's so true because uh, a lot of people or a lot of churches nowadays don't want to uh they don't want to rock the boat they want the congregants that are gonna you know support them and and i think that's when people get into twisting scripture and all kinds of things and and people aren't educating themselves or being in the word enough to know different to know what they're being taught Yeah, if you if you think about abortion doesn't just affect the mother that aborted the baby or the father of the baby. There's usually other people involved, um, their parents involved, maybe four or five different people, right? His parents, her parents, and and uh, so when a decision is made to end a life it affects a lot of people. So it's not just the 60 million aborted babies and the one mother that was out there. It's 60 million times five times 10. So you you have to realize that, or I I remind myself often of no matter who I'm talking to, they've probably had some instance of abortion in their family somehow, right? So they don't want to talk about it. Churches don't want to talk about it because you think about that and probably half the people in the church have been affected by it in some way. So it's, again, it's going to, we're going to have to ease into this culture change. It doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take some time. You made a comment earlier uh, about some of the young women that you encounter, and you said that most of them don't have a man in their life. Um, I want to kind of segue into why do you think that is? What what do you think has changed over the last who knows how many years or decades? Um, what what do you think the problem with with young men and even middle aged men in our society today is? Well, <laughs> that's a big question. Yes, sir. That's going to take a lot of answer there. Um, so it's it's um, 
culture again has told men that they don't have to, right? Churches aren't telling men your your responsibility if you get a young girl pregnant, you are a dad at that point, whether you want to be or not. And so churches better start having programs for young dads because um, I got news for them at 15. That's what, that's what kids are thinking about. Right. That's the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, again, the onus goes back to the churches. Um, They've got to, they've got to step up their game and and not be afraid to talk about it. Um, The other thing is it's a sad reality, but it's just sex, right? I had no I'd no intention of ever being with that man or with that girl. It was just sex. And so that's uh again, it's a culture thing we gotta change. Agreed. So kind of going going back um to your story a little bit. So we talk about salvation a lot, but we we haven't uh, really hit on sanctification much. Um, what do you think? Kind of just talk about those years, I guess, of finding. Uh, you know, you were saved, and then life happened, and then in your adult life, um, you know, God really revealing Himself to you, the signs, the the this and that, you know, all the things that God used. Um, talk about that that progress, I guess, from maybe the the time frame that you would call day one until now. How have you grown as a man in in your your faith walk? What what's that look like and the growth over those those years? Well, I I guess the first answer to that question was would be I hope that people see that I'm a different person than I was because I am a different person than I was. I feel different than I than I ever did. I think different than I did. Um, you know, Bible says pray, pray constantly without stop about everything. And I do. <laughs> and and so um, I think when you when you start when you start praying to God about everything, um, it, it changes your life because you realize that you're not facing something on your own, that he's there with you. And, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is just the, the validation that I get. Um, like if you're, if you're talking to somebody and you ask them a question, you expect an answer. And so you wait for the answer. And it's the same way with God. And you pray about something, you're expecting an answer. And sure enough, the answer comes. Sometimes the answer is not now. Sometimes the answer is no. But you usually know when you got an answer from God. So um, I think that's the the main difference is I feel his presence all the time. And, yeah. and so many stories I could go into about um how he's revealed himself that it would take longer than an hour of podcast (laughs) sure so kind of a cliche question but if you uh if you could go back and talk to your 15 year old self 14 year old what you know whatever 
um what what would you say what would you tell yourself you know as as a, a christian man now um what would you what would you tell that that young david you mean what would i tell my grandsons <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> yeah because that's really what it comes down to is i can't go back and change me but uh as part of being a grandparent is you get to you get to tell your grandkids and show them right i can i can tell them but showing them how to live differently is um is much better way than telling them how to live so uh i hope i hope i don't let you down in that drew no you hadn't yet that's good that's 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 a good point you know because i think that we often think what could i have changed or what could i what could i have done differently or whatever we don't uh we don't always think about what we can do now that that would have that impact I don't think I don't think I could uh, go back to when I was 15 and get anything through my head. What was it? Forrest Gump said you can't fix stupid. So back then. It was stupid. <laughs> well, David, you have an amazing story and it's it's really, really powerful. And I think guys need to hear it. And I, I hope that this can be a, a platform where guys, young guys, middle-aged guys, old guy, any guy, you know, needs to hear guys like you be real and be honest uh, like you have been. And um, I just can't thank you enough for telling us your story. This it's amazing. So thank you for coming on here. We really sincerely appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you're quite welcome. Um, I don't enjoy telling my story, but I do. Um, I do it because God tells you to, right? Share your testimony, and your testimony is is powerful. There's somebody yes, out sir. there that, that's going to um, understand that testimony. And like Drew said in the before we prayed, before we got started, you know, just looking for that one person that your testimony will make a difference to. Yeah, I appreciate I, the opportunity to to get on here. I, I think appreciate you, man. People being able to hear your story. And see how, you know, a, a negative thing occurred, um, you know, bad choices were made at one point. And then what that has now morphed into, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about like, how does, how do, how do we justify the bad and, and evil things in this world? And, you know, like man makes bad choices, but look what God can do with them. You know, one, one small choice has led to this entire ministry and, you know, the number of lives that you're changing now because of it, it's pretty powerful. So I just echo what uh, Brendan said, like, thank you very much for sharing that with us and with the world. You're welcome. Yeah, we'd uh, you know love to have you on again sometime. Um, love to hear about what you guys are doing with with Go Life and with Earthly Dwellings. They're amazing ministries, and um, happy to help you in any way we can with that. We'll certainly uh, implore our listeners to to pray for you guys and um, check out. I'm sure you guys have websites and social medias and things like that. Um, just search, search, go life, where, where go can life. people find you? Go life.org. Yeah. We'll drop that in. We'll drop links in, uh, in, uh, uh, the descriptions of all of our stuff we put out. All right. And the other one's earthly dwellings.org. So Perfect. earthly dwellings. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get come back in about a year or less and, uh, 
talk about the progress we've made there too. Oh, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. We'd love to. Uh, well, guys, this has been uh, episode seven of the Redeem Legion podcast with David from Go Life and Earthly Dwellings. And uh, thank you, David. And um, guys, head over to our social media pages, uh, Redeemed Legion on all the socials. Also check out our website. We've got merch, uh, the hats we're all wearing. Um, T-shirts, I think are going to be on there soon. The shirt that Pete's wearing. Um, hurry up and put those on there, Pete. I'm wearing, I will. Working on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, do it faster. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. You've been listening to the Redeemed Legion Podcast. It's all about faith, masculinity, and modern day life. Our passion is to encourage and equip men to live out their faith in a world that often presents conflicting ideals of manhood. Welcome to the Brotherhood. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. If you did enjoy it, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can email Drew at redeemedlegion.com, Pete at redeemedlegion.com, and Brendan at redeemedlegion.com, the website at redeemedlegion.com, and find us on TikTok and YouTube at, you guessed it, Redeemed Legion. Take care, be safe, and see you next time.